Welcome to Community Echoes on 93.1 CFIS-FM, Prince George's community radio station, with your host, Phyllis Warren. Good day, everyone. Hey, it's not Phyllis. It's Echo here. Sorry she's not in today. She's not feeling very good, so... We are um, uh, have arranged to do a bear show today, which is uh, quite timely and uh, highly necessary because there's a lot of mixed feelings, emotions, fear, love, the fact that people get to see the bears really close up, but it scares a lot of people. And uh, there's some silly things happening, like people chasing bears around and trying to get them out of their yards and so on and stress on the conservation officers. There's been approximately... 300 extra calls so far from what I heard last week that compared to other years um, places are just going crazy so we got the Northern Bear Awareness Society to come in today and we have their president Nicole as well as Ash here with us if you guys would like to introduce yourselves and give us your titles we'd we'd love that go ahead Nicole okay hi I'm Nicole Uh, I am the president and I've been with Northern Bear Awareness Society for quite a long time I'd say over a decade just to be you know awesome well thanks for doing that I mean it's good to keep us all alert and aware and have some kind of recognition going on Hmm. yeah Yeah. so how are you finding this year compared to other years um well yeah definitely it's been a lot more busy a lot more bears in the last two weeks just have shown up in the city Mm -hmm. um I think it we think it's sort of related to their food sources out in in their natural habitat Maybe it's been a result of the drought, the hot weather, and there are just many blueberries and huckleberries out there. So yes, people are, for as, sure. as we know, we're seeing a lot of bears in places where people don't normally see bears. So people in certain areas, like College Heights, along green, green belts and in the heart, are, are used to seeing bears. But now they're coming downtown or further into the core of the city. And um, a lot of people are are pretty, I mean, they're rightly alarmed to see them there. And we're doing our best to help people out. To Absolutely. Know how to and behave. that's where you come into play, Ash. Is that correct? Would you like to yes. introduce yourself and your title and everything? Yeah, my name is Ash, and I'm um, one of the summer community educators for Northern Bear Awareness Society. And we've been doing some events and presentations just to kind of teach the community about. Um, how to manage their attractants to kind of keep bears from coming back to their neighborhoods, um, as well as doing some canvassing around neighborhoods. You might see some flyers and things in your mailbox from us. Right on. Um, so uh, it's it's quite the mixed bag of goodies when it comes to this. So historically, what has BearAware done for for the uh, community, Nicole? What has your needs been in differentiation of this year? Well, we've been around since 1998 and had a public education program since the year 2000. And since then, we've been doing the same thing that Ash just talked about, going door to door, knocking on doors and offering to help people with their backyard bear attractants. We've been, we have a display booth that is very interactive with uh, bear hides and a map that we update every year with all the bear sightings that are reported to the Conservation Officer Service. And we just educate the public and show them that our city is really great bear habitat and that we're going to have bears here and that we need to tolerate them and learn to live alongside them. And the main ways that we need to do that is by uh, managing our backyard bear attractants, as we call them, but they're not really always in the backyard, of course. We have 
the main one being garbage, uh, often left out which in front is of the driveway. Just, that's all our own faults too, right? Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, we have been, I will say, I have neighbors that are absolutely negligent. I drive around neighborhoods. I see it constantly. Um, the city's been trying to keep up on this, and we're hoping to have them on next week to talk about exactly what's going on. We uh, almost got them on this week, but the the manager is out of town, so we had to um, miss out on that. But next week, we'll definitely be having somebody. Um, there hasn't been an awful lot of fines and stuff handed out, and nobody's really been harassed, because I know I called my on my neighbors a couple of times because they just refused to put their garbage in the back and it was like constantly so and and yet they were not coming and dealing with it are you finding it different this year now that there's so much or is the city paying more attention well we do we uh do communicate with the city bylaw officers regularly because um as you say they they do have the the bylaw that uh set, that states that people should not leave their garbage outside at night, the, the night before garbage collection. So I think it's it's 4 a.m. that you're allowed to put it out at. You and bet, and yet I have a bear on camera at 5 in the morning hmm. wandering around outside my place. So True. that isn't even always the logical thing to do, actually. Yeah. So even putting it out, I would say that that could be perhaps a negative issue i'm just putting that out there sorry <laughs> nicole True. i mean you can't <laughs> they can't really tell time i, I think 4 a.m is supposed to help uh shift workers or people who need to leave for work early but um i know the city in the past has not been able to properly enforce that bylaw but in the last couple of years they've been trying harder they had yes. a sticker or a tag that they would put on garbage cans but they haven't actually handed out very many by uh sorry very many fines. I know mm-hmm. they've done a few. Right. And it would hate to have to come to that, right? Mm-hmm. If people would just start locking their garbage, keeping it behind fence. Um, actually, the city has a strap in the information that they've given to me that they are handing out to people, actually, okay. which is, is kind of interesting. As the lady was handing me the paper, she goes, oh, I'm going to have to get one of those as well. It's, uh, yeah, remove okay, items. Ratchet? It's a ratchet strap type of a thing. You can use a flat hook tie-down strap, 1,000 pounds, they suggest, to keep it locked down, but then that just becomes a little bit of a Kong for bears, doesn't it? <laughs> I've seen a well, few of them out just rolling the garbage around. Well, yeah, so I mean, I don't think they're handing out the straps, maybe just the information. Oh, but we just do, information like as to have it, they don't have them there? Okay. Yeah, I think you're Sorry right, it's not bear resistant, and mm-hmm. ideally we would all have a bear resistant solution that's been tested by the, what is it, the interagency grizzly bear committee that has the actual grizzly bear that tests them, but a ratchet strap is is definitely better than nothing, and it's what we are recommending to people to use if they absolutely can't keep their garbage can in a secure enclosure preferably a garage if they have one mm-hmm. but the ratchet strap uh, tightens the lid it's pretty tough what it does is it it makes it a little more difficult for a bear and the bear will usually move on to another yeah exactly something a little more. bit easier that but isn't I, yeah i have heard of people who had the bear come in pry the corner of the lid open even though it had a strap on it there so must have been some good stuff yeah. in that garbage can for that bear to want to get to if yeah. that was the case i would yeah. suspect like a yeah we had that issue in our neighborhood so we <coughs> just um stopped putting household garbage in it until garbage day Mm-hmm. that's a brilliant idea right there that's wonderful 
Uh, did everybody hear that, what Ash said there? She said that uh, they stopped putting, like, uh, let's say, meat or whatever, a leftover chicken or something like that, the bones in until it's garbage day. That's that's absolutely mm-hmm. brilliant. Yeah, we've also recommended to people that they could um, put their leftovers in the freezer and then put that out on garbage day. Truly, there's mm-hmm. a great idea. How about um, there's other attractants, though, not just garbage cans, but th- we have um, barbecues, uh, compost. I've always wondered, is compost ever something that they actively go after? Or? Yes, compost is definitely one that they would go after. So we recommend that it gets um, stirred once a week and okay. um, just to cover it with dry leaves if possible, like grass clippings, anything that you can kind of give it a nice cover so that it doesn't emit as many attracting odors yeah, for the bears. <laughs> yeah, for sure. I wonder if coffee would detract them, I doubt it, coffee grounds and stuff like that. But Yeah, I'm not sure about that one. Hmm. Crazy. And then we have the ultimate in culprits, which everybody is complaining about the crab trees. Yes. <laughs> so lovely tree. planted years ago, but uh, they mm-hmm. are so, such beautiful trees to have the fruit and everything. And they do make food, right? Like we can utilize mm-hmm. this ourselves. Has anybody ever come up with the idea of maybe like the city and uh, Northern Lights Winery maybe invest in one of those machines like they have down in the States that comes up? It's a... Uh, it's like a feller buncher, it seemed to be to me, that it, it has this umbrella thing. It comes up, it goes, it opens up around the bottom of the tree, and then there's this arm that reaches out and grabs it, and it shakes the tree. And all of the fruit drops into it. It's a, it's a professional harvesting machine, and I saw it on some show about food production one day, and I just thought that was that would be a brilliant thing to have. And then the city yeah. could just kind of drive around and supply the homeless the winery the bear uh, northern lights bear sanctuary everybody i mean Mm -hmm. that could be a solution um and then the the fruit would be gone right we we manage self-manage ourselves um does people think of ideas like that at all or i haven't heard of that one in particular but we did come up with a list of things that people can use their apples in particular for oh great yeah so um one of them is that they can donate them to the northern lights estate winery and um the winery will actually give us a donation for the apples if they're used for their wine oh which well is really that's great. that helps support us really great yeah. yeah um and then any apples that aren't quite wine quality they will um donate to farmers Right. Well, that's mm-hmm. a good one. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. For, for livestock. That's a great one. Um, also, I know, and with the Northern Lights uh, Rescue Society, they get a lot of things delivered to them. Apparently, September 28th, approximately, there's another load of apples going up for them. And they yeah. use one of the trucking companies. So that's a goal, you know, if you can take stuff down and put it away for, for them. But what they ask, uh, especially, is that there's no ground fruit. Any mm-hmm. any of the fruit that you pick up off the ground, you know, maybe just take it to the trash or something. Yeah, or nothing, I don't know if it's donatable to farms or... Yeah, nothing that's um, rotten or mushy at all. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. So once it's touched the ground, it's, it's bad because it tends to become diseased. Animals defecate on it, things like that. So it's very important. There was a huge outbreak of food poisoning, actually, in the States that happened because of that quite a few years ago from deer droppings and it was unpasteurized so oh wow yeah yeah you have to be super careful with that um so how many do you have a list of how many extra calls have happened this year at all 
so to the conservation officers? Yeah. I did hear uh, Eamon MacArthur was on CBC this morning, so that's the most recent info I have about that, and he said there were over a 1,000 calls oh so my far God. in uh, August alone. In August. And it's only, what, August 14th. Yes, oh well, my gosh. It is a lot higher than usual. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and, and and one thing I've noticed, uh, I live down by the Fraser River and uh, by Paddlewell Park there, and there is quite a migratory uh, path that goes along there. And we've noticed over the last couple of years there's been a bear with two cubs. And then there was a, a brown bear, a, a black bear with two cubs, and then the one was brown, one was black. And now we've got these same bears are coming through, uh, the same situation getting bigger and bigger. They don't seem to be boldened by, um, you know, they're not coming up or being aggressive towards anybody. If somebody walks up to them, they they tend to still take off, which is good. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it's just crazy. Working at Mount Robson in the 1980s, I worked at the Esso station there, and the trail into Berg Lake and Kinney Lake, they, there was quite an issue back then. Actually, a park ranger had been uh, grabbed by one of the bears. It was absolutely horrifying, and it was one of the first attacks that they'd had up and around there. It's it's a kind of a new phenomenon, this aggressive bear thing, uh, more so than it has been in the past, because they were fairly easy to scare off, but they become emboldened, and that's what it was. And they would uh, people would feed them, and then they would not feed them, and the bear would come and demand the food. So that's what's going on with a lot of them that become aggressive. And until they actually attacked somebody, they would just take them and fly them out to Small River or somewhere like the Parks Branch and the conservation officers back in that time. And what they found then was all of these bears, they migrate hundreds of miles a day, right? Quite a, quite a few, well, maybe not hundreds, but quite a few miles a day. And uh, they would just find their way back mm-hmm. to small farms and things like that. And they would just become a nuisance to the people on the farms in the areas. So... So they had to change their strategy. Um, it, does today's strategies play off of that at all? Or um, Yeah, I would say so. I think like what you're describing, we call uh, two things. When a bear no longer is showing fear of humans, it's, we could say it's habituated, which lots of people have heard of that. And then that combined with a bear that's been obtaining food from humans, mm-hmm. food conditioned, we say. Yes. That is a bad combination because, like you say, the bear will go... T- take greater risks to to seek out human food and that brings the bear into closer contact with people which then increases the risk of a surprise encounter which could in- result in in a, a defensive attack on the ba- on the bear's part which is generally what happens generally the bears aren't looking to harm people but we get too close to them and it's that's when the danger is and yeah they don't they don't typically relocate bears anymore because as you say they they just will find their way back to the same place or they'll become a problem bear in another community. And it's quite expensive, right? It costs exactly. thousands of dollars. Exactly, 100 helicopters and all yeah. that type of thing, the driving Even and the gas. The, yeah, yeah and it's, it's crazy. And so they, I mean, you mentioned Northern Lights Wildlife Shelter. They do, um, if a, a sow that has cubs ends up being killed, mm-hmm. when we, regardless of how she's Traffic, killed, they will take poacher, the cubs. Yeah. yeah, they will take those cubs out to Smithers to the wildlife shelter quite often because they wouldn't have maybe been food conditioned or 
Or habituated. That's, that's, so that's why right. there's so many cubs sitting up there. Yes, yeah. and and uh, I know last year it was absolutely ridiculous. She had up over a hundred apparently, and and normally they were at like thirty-five to sixty, <laughs> and and it went way up over that. Um, it's it's a it's a crazy thing that's happening with all of this wildlife. I even heard of a friend of mine walking their dogs on a trail up in a residential area, attacked by a moose last week it was horrifying so is this something that's going to keep coming <laughs> we're all kind of wondering about it but uh it's um definitely scary and we really have to stop uh what was the term you used hazing the bear you you said the the terminology is hazing if you right. go up and try to fend the bear off or feel like you need to take it upon yourself to walk over and and uh, disturb the bear from its eating whereas if you left it alone it would wander off there would be no incident of the human bear interaction so the bear would not become hopefully more aggressive towards mm -hmm. humans that's just a negative interaction that would add yeah. to that right well, I guess, like there are different ways of looking at hazing I, I agree with you. you should not ever be approaching or chasing a bear right mm -hmm. but hazing is something that Chasing them on a machine yeah. or... Enforcement officers, like the conservation officers, will use hazing to try and teach a bear that humans are not... Like, to, to make sure that they're not habituated to people. Humans are not friendly. We don't want them to be close to us. That's we might, right. We might tell people to, uh, from the safety of the, your doorway, to bang on a pot with a wooden spoon or something, make a loud noise, or even yell at it and say, like, go bear, and... Mm -hmm. That should make it run away if it's not habituated already. What people are finding a lot of the time when they're hanging out in the city is that the bears don't really run away. They'll maybe just look up and maybe wander off a bit. Or yeah, which is their normal MO in the forest, mm -hmm. I would think, right? They just kind of look up from stuff, go, <clears throat> and then continue mm -hmm. to do whatever they're doing. Um, they're not, uh, bears are mostly uh, vegetarians, are they not? They're not so much really a carnivore as as yeah. they are herbivore well, from yeah. my understanding they're so they're opportunistic it, omnivores exactly <laughs> exactly so so i mean it's not necessarily their nature to be ravaging other farm animals or people or whatever so unless the extreme situations of loss of berries because of the heat this year i would suspect and such does that sound reasonable yeah i, I don't know if it, i don't i still don't think they're going to be going after people's pets so often, no. but people do worry it could happen. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's what I'm saying. It's not like they're really aggressive towards yeah. eating live animals yeah, <laughs> in general. Yeah, they're more looking for easy opportunities mm -hmm. for garbage, yeah. which is why we have to you know, make that not available to them. That's right. There's natural food there. That's right. Well, we get into close to a break time, Steve. Outstanding. Well, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to get back with more bear info. And hey, um... Let's just put it out there once again, because we kind of like to try to do this with the show. If someone has a specific question that they might want to ask, you could uh, give us a call at 562-2347. Join us each week for Music and the Spoken Word, featuring the Tabernacle Choir at Temple Square, the longest-running, continuous weekly network broadcast in the world. Each episode features modern and traditional arrangements of spiritual, classical, and contemporary music and a timely, inspiring message. Truly an uplifting program that will have you returning to each week. Music and the Spoken Word with the Tabernacle Choir. Sunday mornings at 6.30 here on 93.1 CFIS-FM. 
Have you ever thought about trying to make art from things that have been discarded or which you just happen to find? The Nachaco branch of the public library can give you a hand and they'll even provide the junk. Make art from junk on August 26th and see what kind of beauty you can create from found and discarded objects. It isn't junk, it's undiscovered art and it's up to you to discover it. Make art from junk August 26th, 1.30-3.30 at the Nachaco branch of the public library. Forecast from Environment Canada for today, a mix of sun and cloud with local smoke, a high of 28 with a high UV index. Tonight, partly cloudy with local smoke, a low of 12. On Tuesday, mainly cloudy, wind from the southwest at 20K, gusting 40 starting near noon, a high of 27 with a high UV index. You're listening to Community Echoes with Phyllis Warren on 93.1 CFIS-FM. The downtown branch of the Public Library is hosting a workshop on August 31st for Overdose Awareness Day. Join them for information on overdose awareness, the power of love and hope, and how to undo the stigma surrounding drug-related deaths. Undo founder Kat Kadia will be one of the main presenters at the workshop. Whether you have a friend or loved one who died from drug-related causes or just want more information, attend the Overdose Awareness Day at the Downtown Public Library on August 31st from 6 to 7.30. Hello, here we are. We are back with Bear Aware, which is a timely topic. Let's let's put that out there for sure. I think everybody realizes it. Unfortunately, we are, as uh, citizens, a little bit guilty. Instead of sitting back and enjoying the beautiful nature walking through our yards and enjoying the bears and like just in taking pictures and sitting back and going and ooh and on on, and we're we're all getting upset and we're feeling angst about it and things like that so how can we how can we relieve ourselves of that angst what do we i guess we just change our mindset and look at it that way is is one way of dealing with it and yeah i think that first of all we need to understand that we share bear habitat like that our city is wonderful bear habitat we have two major rivers and lots of green space in all our neighborhoods and we love that wildlife loves that too so we just have to understand that bears will be in our community and that's not a problem i know that a lot of people are concerned because they're coming into neighborhoods where they haven't been seeing them before and that's okay too as long as the bears are just passing through and uh, following their noses but maybe not getting anything like garbage and uh, i think ash can give you a lot of tips on, on ways we can manage these these things that could attract bears to our home. Yeah, so ideally a bear will just kind of pass through your backyard possibly or even your front yard (laughs) just on their way looking for some food but we don't really want to give bears reasons to hang out in your yard and to want to come back because that's when it can turn into an issue. So um, managing your garbage, um, tying your garbage with a ratchet strap if you're not able to put it into your garage or if you don't have a shed. Um and making sure that you don't put your garbage out until garbage day after 4 a.m. Um, the other thing is bird feeders, making sure that they are removed from April to November. Um, if you really want birds in your yard, you can put out a, um, a bird bath or just plant a lot of flowers. Those are all really good bird attractants if you want birds hanging out. Um, and then fruit trees are a big one, especially right now. I've been getting a lot of phone calls about um, people not sure what to do with their fruit or they have too much of it um ideally people will just prune their trees down to produce about as much as you actually end up using um if you don't use your fruit 
consider maybe removing it or replacing it with like an ornamental tree instead. Um, we do have a lot of really great options. If you want to give us a call, we can always go over those. Um, the other one is barbecues, just making sure it's clean. The grease trap is um, cleaned out and emptied. Um, and if you, can <laughs> I can just imagine uh, walking out my on my deck and the bear being there just to clean yeah, up my barbecue and totally. I'm like, oh my god, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Ooh. And then if you don't have a bear resistant shed that you can keep your barbecue in, just making sure it's covered as well, just to help reduce those odors. Um, compost, just making sure it's um, turned once a week, and then if you can bury it with some grass clippings, dried leaves, anything like that, just to kind of help reduce those attracting odors. Um, and also pet food. So if you feed your pets outside, just making sure you clean up any spilled food immediately and storing the food indoors. Right. To make sure that they don't come have a snack in your deck. <laughs> oh, absolutely. It's, yeah. uh, it's, it's crazy. And thank goodness we literally are just dealing with bears at this point. You know what I mean? We're not mm -hmm. dealing with big cats or anything like that up here. It's, it's an absolute bonus. But uh, so we got this apple, cherry, all kind of fruit, crab apple problem everywhere. Plums. Yes. We've got plum trees in town. Um, so that I like the idea of trimming your tree down because mm -hmm. really apple trees and that they need to be taken down quite a bit every once in a while anyways so that there's a there's a really good solution that's easy for someone to handle um yeah get a hold absolutely. of art naps or perhaps you guys if you have any tree trimming yes tricks. we do have on our Facebook page some videos on how to prune your tree properly so we can definitely share those again so they're Oh, definitely. A little easier to find. So what's your <laughs> website, folks, just so so everybody knows that they can maybe access this stuff on? It's it's really simple. It's northernbearawareness.com. Oh, there you go. That's <laughs> very simple. Yeah. Simple and outright. Um, and because nobody wants to take a fruit tree down. I mean, that's just so mm -hmm. horrible, especially with our food situation. And we're all dealing with this so, so actively on a regular basis. So... Um, you have a couple of groups that will come around. Is there uh, a support group set up or anybody that is taking the task yeah. on other than the winery? Like well, we, we sometimes have a volunteer crew that can help people who have physical limitations where they can't, per, uh, can't harvest their own apples. Mm -hmm. However, there are so many apple trees in our city that we could never manage to... Uh, volunteer to pick everybody's trees yeah um, no why don't we get a group of homeless folks to get load them in a van and take <laughs> them around they could clean the trees off in a matter of hours and you know give them some kind of stipend or something to do be doing it uh, uh, yeah. there's so many things that could be tried but to bring there, yeah there are lots of like possibilities you're right mm -hmm. it takes people to do it we have but there is one new one this year um it's called the Gleaning Abundance Program. It's brand new, and we're partnering with them. The other partners are everyone at the table, which is a local food security yes, group. Yes, I've interviewed them. Yeah. I interviewed them and last then, year, yeah. Yeah, and, and REAPS, the Recycling and Environmental Action Planning Society. So they have uh, they got a grant this year to do this Gleaning Abundance Program. Gleaning just means you're going to pick all the apples clean up under the tree too so there's nothing left awesome. and that's what we want so that bears aren't attracted um so what they're doing is they're trying to get volunteers to help them 
clear people's apple trees when people can't use their apples. And then they're going to take them to their, I think it's like a canning circle, where they have more volunteers. Salvation Army, is that who, um, who's been doing this? Because they, they have a canning circle at the Salvation Army as well. They be. started one I last year. I think it's everyone at the table has their own group. Okay. They might work together. I don't, I'm not clear on those details. There we go. About, We've got more and more groups that are all into doing this. Yeah, so. and what their vision is is that they're going to take the apples or any other fruit that people have, and they'll, they'll process it, and the volunteers might get some of it, and then they'll donate the rest of it to the, uh, the food banks. Excellent. And maybe the homeowners who provide the fruit will also. Absolutely. receive them if they want it. Well, that's great. What a great thing to have. And, and how do we get a hold of those folks? The, uh, that's have, everyone at the table is the name of their association. And it's yeah. it's pretty much everyone at the table. You just punch into Facebook or... You could. I see. We have a website for them. It's it's letseatlocalpg.com slash GAP. So G-A-P for Gleaning Abundance Program. But Oh, Gleaming Abundance Program. Yeah. That's wonderful. So let How's that? Let's eat local. Let's eat local. Yeah. Excellent. PG.com slash GAP. Wow. That's a a good one. So also, uh, just to be motivated, I know that Hobby Brews also does Mm -hmm. apples and wine and berries, but they prefer that the apples are cored and... When you get them there, they, they 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 did mention that to me. That was a couple of years ago. They might have changed oh. that policy, but what? reasonable prices and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so you can benefit yourself by mm-hmm. that one. I definitely <laughs> recommend that because it's if you want to use your own apples, it's a lot of work to process apples, mm-hmm. which is why so many people uh, kind of lose interest or ability to do it after a few years. And if you want to use a lot of apples really easily, making wine or cider is a way to do it. Uh, I'm not sure if they were looking. They were looking into just offering a juice pressing service. I'm not sure if they have that going or not. But um, there's an I, idea. When I did it in the past, you don't have. I didn't have to core them. I just brought them. I think it's 80 pounds of apples, which isn't actually that much. Mm-hmm. It's easy to get 80 pounds of apples, and you can supplement with other fruits too if you want. And they make beautiful wine or excellent, cider. Excellent, excellent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I bet you some of the um, um, local breweries like. Um, uh, the one trench is making a cider. They actually um, carry a cider from another place, and I think they've started developing maybe their own. So, yeah. you know, you never know if those opportunities were to ever come up too. It's, mm-hmm. it's all about new and innovative ideas. Mm-hmm. So, what's that, Steve? Break time. Oh, we got a break time here coming up, and we'll be back, and we will be talking more about what the heck's going on with all these bears coming around here anyways. Lace up your runners and join the Parkinson's Superwalk. For over 30 years, this event has helped to raise funds and inspire hope for over 15,000 people across the province living with Parkinson's disease. Together, we can ensure every person touched by Parkinson's has the support they need to live well. Show your support by joining the Parkinson's Superwalk at 1130 Saturday, September 9th in Claytonay Memorial Park. To register or donate, visit parkinson.ca slash superwalk. If you are supporting or assisting someone living with an illness, disability, or frailty due to aging, then you are a caregiver, and the Prince George Council of Seniors would like you to know about the PG Friends and Family Caregiver Support Program. Contact Clarence at the Senior Resource Centre by calling 250-564-5888 or emailing csp at pgcos.ca. The PG Friends and Family Caregiver Support Program from the United Way of Northern BC and your Prince George Council of Seniors. 
This is Community Echoes on 93.1 CFIS-FM with Phyllis Warren. Good day. Hello. We are back with the uh, Northern Bear Awareness folks. Society. Yes. And uh, what a what a year it's been. What a crazy year for all of us as citizens, conservation officers, the whole public driving on the highways. You're spotting bears left, right and center. So some people say it's the fires. A lot of people, including myself, blame it on the glyphosate spray on the forests, destroying the habitats for them. Um, it just seems logical, not only the uh, the um, hooved animals out there that are having trouble with getting food, but the bears would be having the same as they're affected due to berries and all that kind of stuff. The rose hips, all those things out there that are getting wrecked just so that they can monocrop some uh, pine trees. It's quite annoying. Um, Nicole, you have some experience with this, from my understanding. You actually... Um, did uh did your thesis or something on on this yeah. can you enlighten us i did um i did my my master's thesis on uh glyphosate basically so the i, I looked at the persistence of glyphosate herbicide in forest plant tissues which is a huge issue <laughs> as far as them saying oh this stuff's just fine and it's not a problem for the animals by the way yeah i mean it's it's a very controversial topic right mm-hmm. but basically in in BC and many other places, after logging and after replanting with tiny conifer seedlings, the the herbaceous plants grow faster than the, the conifer uh, seedlings, and so they sometimes need to go in and reduce the, the amount of herbaceous plants, particularly aspen trees and alder trees and tall, fast-growing things like that. Mm-hmm. So sometimes, I think most commonly, they end up using herbicide because it's the most economical and easy to that's to my do. understanding it costs less yeah. than a slasher or actual human to go in and cut down mm-hmm. the bush um, but, but one thing about that is um, are, are the deciduous trees not the cover to allow the pine trees and the and the deciduous trees to grow like are, are the to the annuals extent. not the thing that allows them to become strengthened and sort of it gets the ground ready and stuff it's, yeah, it's I mean, a huge oversight like, yeah diversity of, of species is really important right to mm-hmm. forest. but I think sometimes it's the competition from the other plants will get overshadowed they don't have enough light so they, they aren't going to grow properly and so what I looked at was um, when they spray these taller trees and things those might be killed off, but the understory plants that are underneath them might receive a sublethal dose. And sometimes they're the targeted species, sometimes not. But little things like blueberries and huckleberries, mm-hmm. they might just get a sublethal dose of the herbicide, which will kind of maybe deform them for the first year. But in fact, even what I saw was a year after the spray was applied, some of these plants, like I looked at raspberries and blueberries, they actually produced a lot of fruit. And sometimes that's a reaction to the stress of a, a sublethal herbicide. You know, interestingly, that happened to me. I have a Saskatoon tree in my yard, and I had a neighbor who was horrifying, and he had a big tub of, like, diesel fluid or something that he dumped all over the ground beside my, oh my, my place. Yeah, he was a real gem. But anyways, within a year and a half, that tree, my Saskatoon, I got 30 pounds of, of 
of Saskatoon's off this tree like two years after that toxin was there. So uh, you got to wonder, did you ever study how much was in the plant, the berry itself, like at that point? Yeah, well, that's actually what I was looking at. Okay. I mean, they did produce a lot of fruit, so there's... It might, the herbicide itself might not necessarily reduce food for the the wildlife, but if you're concerned about what's in it, I can say that after like the fruit produced a year after application does contain herbicide. So, I mean, we all probably consume glyphosate when we eat on a regular basis. Yeah, a lot. Organic. Some of our local farmers utilize it. I've asked, and they do so. Yeah, I mean, it, it's really widespread. I think because of the controversial nature of it, there are a lot of studies saying it's fine, but a lot of studies saying, no, it, it could be a health concern, it could cause... Well, 33 countries have yeah. banned it completely, yeah. and I most of them justified. are the highly <laughs> intelligent countries that thrive rather than <laughs> yeah. our, our cousins to the whatever there. Um, yeah, so yeah. it could have lots of health concerns. Um, some, I mean, I also looked at it, the, f- the question whether or not it could modify the nutrients in the plants, and it it looks like it might. It's not definitive. Okay. And then, Echo, you mentioned the studies that look at the effects of glyphosate on the microbiome. So it can yes. f- affect plants, and it can also affect, like, bacteria. So we exactly. all have bacteria in our guts, right? In our guts and as well the... Um, the microbiome of the trees and plants themselves mm-hmm. they are affected because there's funguses and things uh, within the root systems of trees that need to have those funguses that these things are killing um i would suspect has there been studies done on on that um uh i'm sure there have it it's, mm-hmm. it's really complicated it to is study and like that but it's and it's a com- uh, ecosystems are complex too but yeah, and I mean, who's, it's all about who's funding you, and, mm-hmm. and, and the recovery rate is another thing. I just see this as totally unnecessary to be spraying any type of poison on our forests. Um, I had an experience once, I'll give this quick story here, um, before we go for a break, of going, getting to go down Stewart Canal with uh, Captain Ron. He was an amazing guy. He built a float camp down there, and my buddy cooked for him, so we went and helped him set the camp up. And we're cruising down this beautiful area of, of ocean that's in between Canada and the United States. And Captain Ron goes, yeah, you want to see something about our government and how we do things around here? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, well, look at that section of forest over there. And he pointed it to me. He goes, that was planted by tree planters. And it was, you know, a reasonably decent forest, scrawny and, you know, looks scrawny compared to a lot of the other forest around. And he goes, and you look over there, and that was wiped out by forest fires about five years after they planted that. And the forest that was wiped out by the forest fires was like three times larger than the other forests that had been planted by tree planters. Uh, for some reason, there was the same amount of, of wonderful trees in both of them. And I just was shocked that the government would waste all this time and create people going out working with this toxic stuff to begin with i mean we don't even talk about that the workers and people that have to deal with it but but uh we are coming back with northern bearware and we're going to be talking more about what habitats what's driving them out of the habitats and into our habitats right after this advocate life and education services celebrate life gala is set for thursday october 5th at the civic center volunteer opportunities are still available to help make this year's event another great success. Assistance is needed in the setup, during the event, and for takedown. 
If you're interested in lending a hand, email your name, phone number, and your preferred area of volunteering to Madra at advocate.ca. Celebrating Hope for Women's 10th anniversary, the Celebrate Life Gala, October 5th at the Civic Centre. Forecast from Environment Canada for today, a mix of sun and cloud with local smoke, a high of 28 with a high UV index. Tonight, partly cloudy with local smoke, a low of 12. On Tuesday, mainly cloudy, wind from the southwest at 20K, gusting 40 starting near noon, a high of 27 with a high UV index. Hosted by Phyllis Warren, this is Community Echoes on 93.1 CFIS-FM. Hey, hey, normally it is Phyllis, but it is Echo here today. So thank you so much for joining me and uh, get better, Phyllis. We want you back. And uh, we're talking to Northern Bear Awareness here today because we have such an amazing bear issue going on. What is with um, so many babies? There seems to be, are, are you folks dialed in on what might be going on with why we're having multiple births? People are claiming twins and stuff are showing up in their yards. Um, yeah, I mean, I I think I've noticed that too. There are a lot of ac- actually twins, but also triplets and, mm-hmm. and sows with three or four cups yeah. this year. And my understanding is that that's generally a result of a good season the year before they were born. So oh. the sow ha- will give birth in her den while she's hibernating in the winter. And if she's not in good enough condition to support multiple cubs, she won't have as many. Her oh. body kind of... You know, okay. absorb that embryo or, or or something like that. So seeing a lot of cubs, and they're very healthy looking, aren't they? Like, I think mm-hmm. the bears are looking yes, good. Yes, quite a it's few. a good year last year, and we had a good um, start to our summer and spring. Yes. Some hot weather and a bit of drought, but there were a lot of berries out there. Yes, and, and the people are saying uh, a lot of people lost a lot of my lilac trees died. Mm-hmm. A good portion of it, like two-thirds of it, basically did not flower this year. Tons of people lost their strawberries and so on and so forth because the ground was so dry. Would that be affecting mm-hmm. what's going on maybe this year? They say that things froze out and died just naturally because there wasn't enough moisture in the ground last fall, pre-freezing. Yeah. I mean, it definitely could. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if we have any really, like, data on that, but, I mean, I think it's safe to assume that if there's not as many berries in the forest that they're going to be a little bit more desperate to find food sources. That's right. That's mm-hmm. right. But from uh, publications and things I've been reading, the salmon stocks seem to be coming back. So so that's a good... What's What's going on with the bears to do with the salmon? Do you guys ever learn anything about that or... Uh, Again, I don't have like I don't have any numbers to go with that. Sorry. <laughs> I guess the runs are a little <laughs> later in the season, anyways. So for uh, the bears to be going for the salmon rather than the berries, it's it's mm-hmm. a little bit of an off time. So mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, it could be that they're just kind of in between the natural food sources. They do typically have more blueberries and huckleberries at this time of year, and I think we all know that the apples were really early to ripen and like anecdotally we've been hearing lots of people uh had berries in the woods really early i mean there were so many saskatoons in the beginning of summer so that could be kind of done that could be a reason why they came in early this year just because like birds they will stay not because it's cold but because of a or you know it doesn't matter how cold it gets it's because of a food source rather than Yeah. From my understanding, and so it's not that there's no natural foods, though. I mean, they. they I, I think people don't need to worry about the bears starving, if because they're coming into town. I think that it's important to make sure that nobody's 
actively trying to feed bears. I want yes. to point that out. Yes, definitely. Yes. <laughs> um, because, I mean, there's, they, they, can, they are omnivores, and they can eat a lot of things, not just berries. They are drawn into town, perhaps, because they see easier food sources here than they're finding out in the woods right now. But if we let them come in and see that there's nothing to eat in our yards, then they'll venture back into the forest and they'll find food out there. That's right, that's right. So that's where it comes into the garbage and us getting our trees cleaned up and everything. Mm -hmm. um, so you have a map here of, uh, of the Prince George area. Excuse me a sec. <coughs> and this map, does it represent uh, past years of, of bear migration? Were you mentioning something about uh, that? Well and this is a this is a brochure that Northern Bear Awareness that I'm looking at right now puts out that you guys can pick up at the farmers market this weekend. Um, are you uh, going to be there this weekend? Not or? this weekend. Okay, we they there. have been the last yeah. couple, but yeah. Where's the next place where somebody could pick these up, or, or do you leave them in spaces? Or um, we were looking at <coughs> setting up for the outdoor market in September. That was going to be by the old rodeo grounds by the CN Center. We oh, might be okay. at that one. I think that's. In mid-September, I believe. Do you have an office in town here that people can... Um, no, we don't, but no? you could always um, reach out to us by email or phone and we can, or the website. All of the information on the brochure is on the website. Right. Yeah. Okay, mm -hmm. well, there you go. So, so The map that you mentioned, it's, mm -hmm. on, it's on a brochure and our website. So what it is is a map of all the calls that are made to the Conservation Officer Service. Ah, to locate so, them. Yeah, ah, they share okay. that data with us and we... Uh, with with the Ministry of, of Forests, I think, the, the provincial government staff, mm -hmm. they help us now, they map it for us, whereas we used to do it ourselves. But um, it just shows where bears have been really active each year, and we do a new map each year. You can find them all on our website, or most okay. of them. And it's pretty similar, honestly. There are certain hot spots in town. There that definitely yeah. seems to be, the Hart Highway seems to be yeah, a big hot one, mm -hmm. <coughs> and, and my area... <laughs> <laughs> it's also a, a pretty hot spot up into College Heights, but there was actually, yeah, there there um there was actually a, a subdivision that was built in College Heights that displaced some bears there about four or five years ago, oh, I believe. There was a big, big there's thing. the Creekside area, and there's also all along Tyner Boulevard. Where yes, there's more development happening right now. Absolutely, mm -hmm. absolutely, and there are like. I think uh, my understanding there's six different water uh, streams that flow down off that hill that are also part of mm -hmm. um, six sections of watershed in there that they are wow. going to as well. Yeah, so that's, that's going to be an interesting one because we know that there have been bears denning in that area in mm -hmm. past years, and that that's definitely bear habitat yes absolutely so that's uh, another reason why folks hopefully should support the uh saving of ginter's trail because in through there is a lot of reason why mm -hmm. that uh yeah they need to not be putting subdivisions in, in the areas i guess um yeah this is uh, this is an amazing so it shows over the years how many more calls there has been is that what you're saying you've got uh, different maps from yeah, different years it's not necessarily like it's the, the it's not necessarily more calls each year but it does fluctuate mm -hmm. i think this year we're going to see more calls yes because of all the bears in town right now absolutely but yeah absolutely and it, it gives us an idea of, of where we need to focus our attention like ash said they they use this map from last year as well as the records that were left by last year's summer staff 
where they uh, went canvassing and delivering brochures and um, also garbage tagging. Wonderful. I don't know if we talked about garbage tagging, mm-hmm. something that you do. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely good. Just to remind people, I mean, you, you forget about it and it's not on the top of your mind in general until it happens and then you're yeah. mad and it's like, oh man, what do you do? And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, crazy, I definitely think crazy. a lot of people just don't know about it. So that's why we just try to get the word out on these things. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's why I wanted to bring you guys on today so that yeah. folks could actually realize that there is a concerted effort within the city that has been going on for quite a long time mm-hmm. to to help out um have you been hearing of anything going on in the campgrounds that are perhaps a little on the i haven't heard anything actually no. out of the ordinary side yeah it seems it's just good. the city hey yeah. it's just seems to be within the city yeah. i think most people campgrounds and the people who live in the um outside of the urban center they're usually pretty good about being bear aware yes because they expect to see are used to there. it yeah yeah, yeah for so sure we, i mean we just it's, it's the people living in town that need the reminders that's right and we can't be shooting bears in town you know like stray bullets and why are they not tranquilizing them right why do you have to shoot to kill them you know why aren't we using tranquilizers i even almost feel that way about the police but anyhow that's a whole nother story for another day. Um, <clears throat> you guys have so many different areas that you can um, take the fruit and stuff out of the trees to. When we get back from the break, we are going to get right into that. The Alzheimer Society of BC is looking for people to join virtual focus groups to share their experiences. The Society wants to hear from people who are interested in affecting change in dementia long-term care, want to focus on building solutions and positive change, and are comfortable sharing their thoughts on how to build trust and collaboration between care partners and long-term care providers. To find out more about this opportunity, contact Susan Prosser by emailing sprosser at alzheimerbc.org. The City of Prince George has launched a Civic Core District Plan Project, and they want your input. The plan is a guide that will define the long-term vision for the municipal properties in the downtown area that are near the Civic Center. It'll have strategies, along with timelines, for how to enhance the area while meeting the needs of those who live and work in the community. An online survey on this project is available through September 15th at princegeorge.ca slash civiccoredistrictplan. You're tuned into Community Echoes on 93.1 CFIS-FM with Phyllis Warren. All right, it's not Phyllis, it's Echo, but my partner in radio is uh, getting home, healing herself up here, and she'll be back hopefully in the next week or so. So we're uh, talking here today with Northern Bear Awareness, and uh, I've got Nicole and Ash here. There is also another place we'd like to mention uh, before we get into talking about the closing up of the show here that there is a uh, Prince George Fruit Exchange on Facebook. So that could be an absolutely magical thing for people to check out if you do Facebook. And if not, you always can hit the wineries or get a hold of northernbearawareness.com. And you will be able to, uh, or is it .com or .ca? Excellent. So whether you want to become involved or or, uh, find out about the fruit programs or volunteer with them, somehow it would be, uh, that would be the thing to do. So that is the Prince George Fruit Exchange. And what they do is they'll connect people with people who would like to pick and use fruit or who would like to have fruit and be able to access it which is a wonderful yeah. thing yeah and sometimes um you can even just post like hey i have like a 
big raspberry bush that I don't have time to pick and maybe somebody will comment that they want them and they'll even come to your yard and pick them for you. And yeah, so it's a great option for any kind of fruit. That is, mm-hmm. that is amazing. And it's right handy there on Facebook. That's yeah, wonderful. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So if you don't have it yourself, a buddy of yours would have it that you could go and check, just hassle somebody, say, hey, will you look up mm-hmm. the Prince George Fruit Exchange on your cell phone for me? Yeah. <laughs> while, while you're just sitting somewhere if you don't have it. But uh, so another thing um, I would like to kind of wind her up with here today is I just would like to pick both of your brains on what is the message that you would most like to put out there, Nicole, for, for everybody to do with the bears? Okay, well, I think that it's super important for people to understand that bears will be here and we really want people to tolerate them and we promote coexistence. So the bears will live here and we will live here. We want you to enjoy seeing them from a safe distance, you know, from inside your house preferably. Just watch them go by, maybe take a video, that's fine. And um, just be responsible and don't lead to their uh, habituation or food conditioning. Truly, that is so huge. Thank you very much, Nicole. How about you, Ash? Um, Just to kind of piggyback off of what Nicole said, definitely being responsible with all the attractants that we mentioned earlier. That really just makes a huge impact in preventing bears from getting habituated and making your neighborhood a frequent stop. That's right. And I mean, yeah. even if it is, it's a blessing, right? Like, uh, why don't we, why don't we do a thing where we on Northern, do you, do you guys have a Facebook page? Mm-hmm. Okay. So how about we put a challenge out to everybody to take the coolest bear videos that you can get uh, mm-hmm. here in the city and post them up on Northern Bear Awareness's uh, um website or or facebook page or something and get something going to advertise it in the positive so that we can all relate instead of feeling fearful of this okay there we go the challenge is out echo (laughs) has uh put the challenge out there we'll put that on our facebook page but coolest video but if you uh get too close to the bear you're disqualified yes Yes, perfect absolutely and we do do a calendar contest every year as well so keep an eye out for that if you get some cool shots we like to feature some local shots in our calendar every year so mm-hmm. there you go mm-hmm. there's some but stuff just make that sure we can you don't do. go close to them <laughs> yeah yeah that's the big thing yeah. of staying away and you yeah. know <clears throat> just nobody wants to tie their pets up but uh just sometimes it's a good thing to do and and so this is a month early this year it's pretty much a month early that from most bear migration i would suspect and we figured out that that's basically it's from the fires and the glyphosate, but not necessarily. It's just there's a larger population of bears the last well, couple of good years. Have it could be partly that. I think it's a combination of, like, more cubs. I, I mean, that's anecdotal. I don't know for sure. But also, I think the drought and the heat yes. and the berry crop, that's contributed for Absolutely. sure. Yeah. And, yeah. And habitat and loss, all, all of the yeah. above. <laughs> yeah, habitat loss, that's a huge one because they can mediate and compensate for that out in the bush between themselves. And I think that's a lot mm-hmm. what's happening. Somebody gets run out for a while and they have to come on to somebody else's territory and then they chase them out and, you know... Bear doo doo does go in the woods downhill, right? So <laughs> things go downhill. So uh, what do you do? You you have to deal with this, and and as Nicole said, your best bet is to absolutely just let them be. Uh, don't feel the need. Don't let your ego think, oh, I need to chase this bear away, or mm-hmm. or anything. You know, unless it's a horrifying situation, God mm-hmm. forbid, an attack or 
or uh, a pet. Uh, yeah. But uh, bears are not the most dangerous thing in the woods, okay. folks. That's for but sure. To prevent that, I think we should also mention that people need to, I mean, if you're concerned about bears being so close to your home, just like go outside more carefully. Don't rush outside. Just look around the corner in case mm-hmm. there's a bear in your driveway. It might that, be there. That's we don't right. want surprise encounters. That's right. the big thing, for mm-hmm. sure, for sure. Absolutely. So um, what else, ladies, can you think about? we got like three more minutes here that we can put some info out there. Is there something that maybe we didn't uh, talk about? Don't phone the police. Police cannot really help you. That was another thing that I've we heard. We could maybe touch on like, just keeping your dogs leashed when you're out in the nature. Yes. We, yeah, we have heard some, you know, I mean, I've definitely heard of people getting having a bear come back at them because their dog has run away from the bear and back to them. Yes. Yeah, I think keeping your dog on a leash when you are out in the forest is definitely really important. That's right. And I love Mm -hmm. going back to that story of the girl down, uh, I think it was somewhere on the lower mainland, Squamish or whatever, who was walking along a trail and the bear walked up and plopped himself down right in front of her. And she's like, oh, my God, what do I do? So she whips out her phone and she played Metallica (laughs) to scare (laughs) the bear away. That was the absolute best. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a form of hazing. Uh, There you go. But, I mean, it was more like, okay, we need to get this thing out of here. Mm -hmm. And then uh, it did did work, right? Uh, (laughs) The poor bear. What in the heck is that? It was agreed. But I had that happen to me. I was walking along the Mount Robson line just across from the gas station. We were up at the White Fleets visiting with everybody. And and, uh, out from behind a motor car stand walks a black bear. And it's walked right out. And it sat its little butt right in the middle of the tracks in front of me. And I was like, oh, my God, by myself on the middle of the, you know, and there's a higher track and then the lower track. And I... I eyeball uh, some empty cars that were sitting beside there, and I thought, okay, I'm running for that ladder up that car if this is going to happen, right? If this bear comes towards me, he didn't even care. I wasn't even on his radar. Mm-hmm. I even think I, I think I was freaking out so much I was picking up little pieces of ballast and throwing it at him, and I think I might have even bonked him in the nose, and he just kind of mm-hmm. tilted his head and looked at me and then got up, and he wanted and sauntered down onto the lower railway track. So that is where we want our bear encounters to be it's calm yeah. and nice and yeah they're they, not really out to get us are that's they? that's mm-hmm. right they're not the horrible things as as same as wolves wolves are not the horrible things they're portrayed portrayed to be in film and and things like that <clears throat> you know farley mowat was the one that brought that to our attention years ago right I mean, um, as far as my understanding is, I'm not even sure if there's actually been a wolf human attack period. I don't know that I've ever heard of one. But, uh, well, Nicole, the closing words for you today, <laughs> once again. Know. Thanks for having us here, Echo. It's it's great. I think if anybody has further questions, they could check out our website, northernbearawareness.com, or our Facebook page. You can also find that on our website. We're updating our website soon, so it's going to have some new stuff on it soon, too. Wonderful. <laughs> How about you, Ash? Yeah, thanks so much for having us on here. Hey, no worries. Mm-hmm. Glad you could make it, and it was a wonderful, wonderful experience. I appreciate it totally. And do not forget about Northern Lights Wildlife Society, folks. They are bringing uh, health and happiness and taking bears back to their own original habitats, the ones that they go and pick up and they nurse to a year old from babies.